Right, here we go, James. Episode 11 of the Do More Good podcast. We're back again. We are. We are. We're back um, on a sort of sunny bank holiday weekend. It's a bit sort cloudy. Of. It is a little here. bit cloudy, yeah. but where are we? Uh, we are back at the Big Chill uh, Big Chill House, is it, on Pentonville Road, which our um, kind of our, our longer-term listeners will remember from our photo shoot back in the day. Back in, it was much colder. <laughs> you can't say that we did a photo shoot. That sounds yeah, we, really we did, embarrassing. We did, we did, but you Basically, we've got your brother look. along to take he some snaps of us. Yeah. But you had a bit of a different look going on there, didn't you? you did I? You've, up, you've upped your look what, this week. I've grown a bit of a yeah. beard. I know, yeah, I just got really... out there. <laughs> a new look going on. It's a good job it's not TV, that's, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, I've got a bit of a beard, but um, we're back again. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. How have you been? Uh, yeah, all right, actually. Been busy, been busy. We've got lots of stuff going on at the moment. You've got to get in there the first mention of GDP. It's the big day and today, isn't it? It is the big day today. And a uh, funny little anecdote I think I saw on Twitter this morning of some guy saying, uh, I just got a GDPR email from a company with every recipient accidentally CC'd in there. <laughs> that one did make me laugh on the community. That's a good start. That's a good it's a great start, start isn't yeah. it? A great yeah. start. But yeah, had that going on. Uh, you know, lots of other stuff. A few events recently. Um, obviously, London Marathon 2019, which is a big focus for us at the moment, being Charity of the Year alongside Alzheimer's Society. So yeah, that's really that's good. Exciting. But yeah, just generally getting ready for the summer and looking forward to a bank holiday ahead. Yeah. Nice. What about yourself? What have you been up to? Um, well, I said to you earlier, I've had a bad week. I've had a bad week week and usually we're so positive but this week I'm going to be really negative I pulled a muscle in my my neck so I I couldn't turn around so everybody in my team kept asking you know they kept calling me from behind me and laughing at me and then I rode into work this morning and we have these lovely showers at work but there was only cold water in them and then just you know to top it all off I went up we went for a beer on Wednesday night and didn't record a podcast but I made a joke about Star Wars and it bombed bombed. and I don't know enough about Star Wars to pull it it back so that was bad it's been tough hasn't it it's been a tough week it's been a tough uh, week. Yeah. But on the plus side, mm. we bumped into some friends of the podcast on Wednesday night. Okay. A few drinks in. Yeah. They were demanding the merch. They were demanding merch, they were they? They were. They okay. want to know about, well, it was your director who was suggesting um, <laughs> slogans for t-shirts that aren't, okay. aren't really broadcastable. Right. But, you know, suggestions are welcome. Do people want USB sticks? What do we talk about? Maybe those cooling things. What are they called? The things that you put beers in? Around uh, beers, yeah. Stub holders, something like that. Stubby holders, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Um, well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I think we probably need a... Let us know. Let us know. know what you're That's after. it. Feedback. Tweet James directly <laughs> uh, and tell him what you're after. Get the orders in. So here we are then, episode 11. Yeah, so we, um, we're joined by a guest uh, today um, and a confirmed BDIF, a big deal in fundraising. Uh, confirmed one. Confirmed. Right. We've had that confirmed. Uh, she's a consultant on innovation. She is a trainer and a coach. <laughs> she's a published author. We're not just talking emails. We're going big, aren't we? We are big. She is a regular on the speaking circuit. Uh, she worked at NSPCC and the National Autistic Society before setting up her own consultancy. She is now reading my notes to make sure they are correct. Um, she recently crowdfunded and land, uh, launched her own network for online learning um, among charity professionals. Wow, this it is, is a her good second podcast of the week, listeners. So this is going to be polished. It's going to be good. It's Lucy Gower. Hi. Hi, thank you for having me. Good stuff. That, that was a hell of an introduction, wasn't it? I know. Has she got a Blue Peter badge as well? That's She's got a LinkedIn page. Oh, right. I like that. So, yeah, I read through that. Yeah. I always wanted a Blue Peter badge, but I never oh, got one. Happen. No. Um, I didn't know. Oh. It's probably because I never wrote to Blue Peter and asked. Well, I've got a terrible anecdote. I wrote to Blue Peter when I was much younger, and then 
I got the answer right, but obviously they only picked ten kids. And I was sure that I was going to win. And then the names came across at the bottom of the screen. And mine was, and I was sure, obviously, I wrote in. Yeah. Got the answer right, which was, which was K9. That was the dog called. But Dr. said, I remember this from when I was six. And, um, and they didn't have my name there. And I was in floods of tears. And my mum had to explain to me that there were more than seven kids in the world. It was a real eye opener. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, Lucy. Oh, <laughs> I feel, this is what I feel too with. sad to speak now. <laughs> So Lucy, oh, tell <laughs> so Lucy, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate Pleasure. you being here. Um, please just tell our audience of about James's mum and my mum and my auntie uh, what what you do in fundraising and a little bit more about yourself. Well, my goodness, where do I start? So for the last six years, I escaped from the NSPCC about six and a half years ago because I thought I could make a bigger difference working with lots of different organisations than being a really small cog in a big machine. Mm. So I, was the, um, I headed up the innovation team at NSPCC. And what I learned there was that it doesn't matter how much budget you have or how good your ideas are, but if your people aren't lined up behind why the change they're trying to make is important, nothing happens. So the sort of work I do with fundraising, individuals and teams and whole organisations, is getting them to think differently about how they can get better results. And a lot of that is around is around innovation and product development. Mm-hmm. But it's much more of the time around confidence and courage to do that new thing. Right. And that's part of why I set up the Lucidity Network as well. Okay. All right. And what, so you obviously work with quite a few charities at the moment and you have done it around innovation. What, what's the biggest challenges that charities face in terms of innovation? Is it a mindset, as you say? Is it just, is it just individuals taking responsibility or is it a wider organisational thing where they have to have this attitude towards innovation? Oh, I'm going to make some sweeping generalisations then. we like that. We like that. <laughs> On a Friday. <laughs> <It's> controversial. <laughs> um, there is a mindset thing. Mm-hmm. One of the things that happens quite a lot is that people come to me and say, we want this really new thing, we want to be different, we want to stand out from everyone else oh but we need to know that this new different thing that no one's ever done before is going to work and you that can't guarantee that my sort of argument counter argument back is well you can't guarantee that the dm pack that you've been sending for the last however many years is going to continue working either so you kind of got to do a bit of both so there's something around expectations not matching actual deliverables Um, there's something around a mindset shift we're really good at talking about innovation and it means something different to everybody so that's another challenge and actually doing it is really really difficult and I would term innovation as um, anything new that's helping you get closer to achieving your mission Mm -hmm. and anything new or different is really difficult and I think especially in big organisations where you have lots of layers of sign off you've got decisions by committee and things get stuck and people run out of steam basically and then they leave and then they start trying to do it it again at the moment as well with the the looming threat of gdpr thankfully that's all over now obviously because it's it's felt like we're quite risk averse at the moment and no one wants to try anything new that has seeped through everything that we're that we're doing Mm. yeah 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 we're kind of waiting till gdpr is in place and it's like well it's been in the pipeline for how yeah. many years? Well, that's amazing about the number of emails that we've had over the last few days. Oh, I'm People j- rushing to get them in. Think, haven't you been thinking about this for a while? I'm joyous about the lists that I'm finally unsubscribed from, frankly. Yeah, I know. That's it, isn't it? Yes, same. But actually, I've got to say, a lot of them were not charity lists. So, uh, well done to the sector for getting our acting gear early, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah. 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 yeah, I think so. Um, so you started out in corporate at NSPCC. 
Yes. From, from my, it says so here on my notes. On I'm your notes, sure it says so. But, yeah, um, corporate and events within and, the London team. Yeah. yeah. And then you moved into innovate your first innovation role at NSPCC? Yes. So I was really lucky, right place at the right time, because I'd done lots of different types of fundraising jobs. I felt my CV was a bit jack of all trades, master of none, and I felt that was a bit of a bad thing. And so back in, I think it was 2007, NSPCC and Childline joined together, and there was a restructure. And at that point in time, it was quite fashionable to put innovation teams into charities. I think Cancer Research had one, Macmillan did, Amnesty, but then NSPCC were up there in the few first organisations that had an innovation team. And um, if I'm really honest, no one really knew what it meant or what it was so a big part of my job then was to so was that given to you or did you say I quite fancy that as an idea it was a it was a it was a strategy that was put in place and then there was a pretty hard recruitment process she says (laughs) 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 it's really competitive no it it was a it was a fair recruitment process and I was just really lucky that I was in the right place at the right time that I could I worked within the NSPCC and I could go for that yeah Um, and that was the point where I went here's my thing I've done all these different types of fundraising and I was all right at it but when I started reading up about innovation and understanding what it was and how it's how I've interpreted it is about helping people think differently and get better results get more stuff done um, that's when I felt thank goodness here's my thing this is the thing that I'm going to focus in on and we've talked about innovation uh, just around the corner from here actually a, a, a few months ago about how for us it means anything anything can be improved and anything, yeah. so I think as you were just saying then that, yeah I completely agree from a, from a process that you run every week through to a new product to a completely I don't know a restructure or something yeah. as big as that and this is just picking up on something you said so you, you spoke about early in your career you jumped around quite a lot of different jobs in fundraising and I guess that uh, you know hopefully some people to listening to this are relatively early in their careers in, in, in charities and I'm sure innovation sounds like a bit like digital did, did last week yeah. like a really cool area you know it's it's almost like I want to be in that because I can try all those different things what kind of advice would you give to maybe people who are relatively early in their career in, in fundraising or in the charity sector in how to kind of move more into that area how to move more into innovation yeah I think you've got to follow what you're interested in sort of follow your curiosity I think that there are more and more innovation roles, sometimes disguised as business development, product development, insights, partnerships, partnerships sometimes, yeah. yeah. So there's innovation in every role, even if it doesn't have it in its job title. And I think that any role that you're in, if innovation is about making any sort of changes, it's coming in and kind of being restless about, well, how can I do this better? How can I do this differently? And then if you're really angling to go for a pure innovation role, you have got your portfolio of stories to tell at your interview about how you've approached things differently. And I do think it fundamentally comes down to your attitude and mindset. You're either happy doing what you've always done, fine, that's not a criticism, or you want to change stuff and you want to be a bit of a maverick and you can apply that to any job. That, you, that, you, that you're in. And let's face it, I mean, charities have had to innovate and, con- and are going to have to innovate even more going forward. And so I guess there might we might see, do you think we'll see more innovation type roles? Or do you think, as you say, innovation will become more of a, a culture across every organisation because it all, almost has to? Yeah, that's a really good question. It kind of ebbs and flows. My personal view is innovation is part of everyone's role. If you're a fundraiser, your job is to make change happen. And that's around innovation. I think that there'll be roles that are more around product development and I think we'll be seeing almost like incubators sitting outside of the normal rules of your charity's business in order that things can move 
faster, move more quickly. Right. Because new product development often gets caught up in organisational treacle mm. and then it slows it down. If you sit outside, which is like creating another silo, mm. stuff happens more quickly. Mm. But it's then how you bring that back into the business. So it's almost like startups, just setting yeah. up mini yeah. startups out. Set up a mini set up a mini startup to just get things off the ground. But fundamentally everyone should just do it. Don't worry about GDPR. Just get yeah. going. Just yeah. But, but I guess also in that is about the kind of the stakeholder management and, and, and the communication around it, isn't it? Because I guess again, thinking about that, maybe that audience of people who are relatively new into their jobs, which you know, hopefully they've got a lot of crazy ideas and stuff, but they might be sitting there thinking, I've got this great idea, but do I just take that to my manager? Yeah. Do, do I have to take that to my? You know, how do I tell the story internally so a, yeah, to get the buy-in? It's a bit like to take you it were forward? saying. Yeah. was saying last week about how everybody should hopefully. Everybody becomes digital savvy enough that they can. Uh, that there's no need for an, for a digital team. Whereas what we're saying about is innovation is everybody needs to be innovative about what they're doing. But then they, you also have the release of having a great idea and then passing it off to somebody. So yeah. Everyone needs to think that way. It's an attitude towards work yeah. rather than just constantly doing the same things. The same yeah. GM campaign every year. Yeah. But then you've also got the support of having someone that will take that, take your idea, steal it, make it brilliant, take all the credit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Reference you in yeah. their autobiography. Yeah. Different cultures work differently, but just to go back to your point earlier, those the new people. What I see when people are new in an organisation, they come in and they're like, "Hang on a minute, why do we do it like this? Why is we do that like that? What about if we did it like this?" Because you can see all the problems when you're new or things that can be improved. And when you've been there for I don't know six months or more, you you come into a way of thinking of how we do things around here. And so if you're, new, if you're new in your role, this is a brilliant opportunity to ask all of those questions that don't make sense because you did it differently at your old place. And There's a bit of, there's kind of two sides to that as well, that some people come in brand new and in their first week they say, well, why are we doing it like this? Why aren't we, why aren't we trying that? And you try and explain to them, actually, these are the reasons why we have to do it that way. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's, there's kind of there's a balance between balance. how you as the new person you don't come in guns blazing going well it was better in my old place so why don't we do it like this it's about getting to know people and it's about your stakeholder management it's about making your manager look good by the suggestions that you're making helping your peers to you know work together so there's a there's a subtlety about how you do it I guess my point is if you spot something that you think hang on a minute why is that done like that it's just about being brave enough to ask the question because there may be a really good reason why it's done yeah. like that and that's fine yeah. but I reckon half the time the reason why it's done like that was a really good reason a few years ago and lots of other things around have changed so mm. it might be up for, yeah. for, for renewal Just changing tact a little bit so I noticed just read through your Twitter feed and, and a few other bits before you came on just to get to know you, you a little bit oh, no, We're getting weird we're we're serious yeah. about that, we? Usually we just turned up order a couple of pints and we were but away I guess just kind of trying to <laughs> <laughs> oh, We're getting yeah. serious we've gone so corporate <laughs> we've <laughs> that, rather than winging it actually do some preparation that yeah that's basically I'm impressed um, but you talk a little a lot about leadership and yeah. you've, you've, you've obviously you've talked on the subject and I guess what I'm interested in is how you link innovation into leadership and and you know obviously you've worked for a few people and, and I know that we can both speak about leaders that we've worked for that have been innovative how do you what makes a good leader for you I guess that's the, that's the question that I'm aiming at okay Gosh, these are difficult questions, aren't they? I thought we were going to the pub for an afternoon. Okay, so leadership. So leadership, like for me, it depends how you define leadership. Okay. I define it about 
and being a leader in your own sphere of influence. So this isn't about your job title. It doesn't matter what role you have. You're a leader in what it is that you're doing. Um, What makes a good leader? I think there's something around clear communication. There's something around getting everyone on the same page about why you're there doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you work for a charity, you're there to raise money to make some significant change does everyone get that I know that sounds like an obvious thing but sometimes we lose sight of what we're raising the money to do the impact that we make and then I think um, I talk to people a lot of the time about how we're making it up as we go along and we're all winging it that is a trait of a really good leader because but what I mean by that is not that you're making it up all of the time, although a lot of the time we are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both nodded, okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> but it's about being honest about that. We don't know all the answers. And if you're mm. a good leader, then you work with, the, with your team to go, I don't know the answers, but together we're going to work them out and find out a better way. And so there's a bit around being vulnerable about that and not you know has anyone had a boss that thinks that their way is the right way and then you just get on with it and do it yeah feels terrible doesn't work yeah so it's just being really open and honest mm. and getting everyone on the same page that you might not you might not know how you're going to get there but you know where the end point is and you work on that together yeah, you've talked about um you, you mentioned kind of collaboration in, in some stuff that I saw and also embracing failure uh, and that not necessarily being sitting you know, there's two things that we definitely do on this podcast don't we? <laughs> um, but oh if I hit record button oh, yeah, yeah that would be uh, so um, that kind of fits into that but not being afraid of failure and not seeing it as a necessarily a bad thing if you're going to fail then give it a, a bit like you were saying earlier be bold give something yeah. a go if it fails it fails you know? yeah. it's not the end of the world and the thing that makes I think the leaders that I've worked with who are absolutely brilliant different from the people who are just good is that we can talk right, it's easy to talk about failure and learning from it like rationally we really get that but emotionally when you fail at something it's devastating it feels horrible you don't want to admit it to people you kind of go oh can I get away with it oh no I'm going to have to like fess up to that and it's when the teams get that because their leader is going well this didn't work and here's what I'm doing and I feel bad about it that's when you get that level of trust I think that is the the thing that makes a really good lead you need to be able to trust that someone's got your back yeah absolutely I think vulnerability is is a major thing and I've been on some coaching recently and they talked a lot about that vulnerability about not being like we think about leadership maybe 15 20 years ago it was very much you know from the top down wasn't it you know the leader didn't show any emotional side they didn't show that they had any empathy towards their staff it was very much you do what I say yeah but now modern leaders are more accessible they're more open they're they're emotional they're they're authentic they're vulnerable which I think people connect with more because at the end of the day we're all real people and I guess kind of this we want to just sit around and have a conversation and talk about what we want to talk about yeah Yeah. we're just a bunch of people trying to do the best job we can with what we got yeah and I think that the the leaders that revert back to that when something's gone wrong or someone in your team hasn't done quite what you wanted we're all just here trying to do the best job with what we got and if you take that approach certainly help me when I'm working with teams and organisations so you work with some quite big names Yes, some big charities out there on your on your on your list of clients. Um, are there kind of common themes that come through from those guys? Or well, I was expect actually you're nodding, but I was expecting you to say no. Everybody's different. It's always a, no. It's common common themes. Common that themes that come through every time, um, and I would say that it comes down to a lack of confidence um, to drive change, maybe linked to a lack of courage, linked to how teams work together or don't work together to a support network that's needed to be able to do anything new so that whole thing around failure and doing something new is all linked it's all linked together 
and so the common themes are I'm not sure that's going to work I'm scared of failing what if I fail oh I'll get sacked if my team doesn't have my back what that's going to look yeah, like yeah. But that's how you that's not yeah. necessarily what will happen but that's how you that's Feel, what runs yeah, yeah. through your mind um and having and not having a support network and especially um with middle managers i found you're trying to impress your director and your chief exec your peers at middle management level maybe not all working in fundraising so nobody's got the same objectives so they haven't necessarily always got your back and then you're winging it to the teams that you're managing um and you need to make it look that you know what you're doing even with that like being okay to be vulnerable Mm. and it just it's so stressful in that middle manager role I've observed that it stops people doing things yeah I would I would agree with that actually and we've just um, so I work for Alzheimer's Research UK and uh, our director's just taken us on a you know a three three session uh, leadership course which was all about that it was about middle managers and it was about like how do you deal with that stuff that you need to looking upwards but also how can you pass that on to your teams and in terms of building that culture it was it's really important it's really it's really hard especially I guess when we're talking a lot more and we know how much mental health is now more on the agenda and and, and well-being at work and that workplaces have to take responsibility for that I guess you know what what experience have you had around that in, in terms of companies being more aware of the challenges that we all now face and and dealing with stress I guess yeah I think that there's a real I want to say trend isn't quite the right word but people are much more aware of workplace well-being and I guess I've got a bit of a skewed look at it because mine's one of my biggest clients Mm. and obviously that's a lot of the work that they deliver to other organizations around workplace well-being Um, it's a big deal and I think within fundraising you know if you look at the external environment you've got well GDPR we already mentioned but you know there's a lot of challenges in the world about how we raise money and how public perception of fundraising so then you've got really difficult targets and you're sort of stuck in this web of trying to negotiate and please and impress all the people around you and I think it's really I think it's really difficult and Again, I think I'm seeing a lot of organisations that are working out what to do about keeping their staff well and happy and still reaching targets. Yeah. I'm not. See- I'm seeing people doing some really good work to try and get there, but I'm not seeing anyone that has really nailed it yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it. I guess to really nail it, time will tell what that absolutely. Yeah. So looks what do you like. do? Take the pressure off. No, yeah. but like lower the targets. You, is that yeah. going to do it? Well, then no. we can't deliver our services, so that's no good. So Yeah, and I like the fact that when we, I mean, when I was going back to this course that uh, I was on, you know, we were talking about a level of stress is needed. Like, we all, people need that level of stress almost to perform at their optimum levels, but yeah. it's just, again, it's, it's, it's managing balance, it. isn't it? It's yeah. managing it. And, the, yeah. and the, um, obviously with the Oxfam scandal fairly recently, that, that, that stuff around spending donors' money on safeguarding is not what people... Have given them, given you their money to spend on. So there's that pressure from the public not to spend on admin, not to spend on courses, maybe, and yeah, well-being. I think we all see that 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 brings value to the charity, and then therefore you go on and raise more money and work as a better organisation. But justifying that can sometimes be a little bit tricky to your supporters. Can I ask you a personal yeah. question, Lucy? How do you deal with stress? I just got a little dog called Gary. <laughs> <laughs> to get Gary in there it's not it's a good actually, idea it's a good actually, it, it's a good in point. all seriousness how do point. I deal how do I deal with stress so I do um, I live by Alexandra Palace in North London I do uh, our walk in the morning I go I, I go morning. walk that's, that's yeah. great. Quite a dedication. And I've got till midday. I'm talking about the morning. I don't have to be in an office <laughs> yeah, at nine no, a.m. No, exactly. Right. <laughs> Up at five. There we go. <laughs> um, so walking, 
making sure that I, you know, I work from home a lot. If I'm not running a workshop, making sure that I get to talk to somebody else in yeah. the in the day. I've got a network of people, like go-to people. You know, I'm stuck on this. What do you think about this? To like bounce ideas off. And in all seriousness, one of the reasons that I got little Gary was I was doing too much work. I was working all the time. That's not what I want my life to to be like. And um, you can't work all the time when you've got a puppy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. That physical <laughs> physical exercise, I think, is always the one that I kind of yeah. lean back on when it comes to it comes to stress. And I can definitely tell if I haven't done any exercise for whatever reason yeah. because oh, life's got in the yeah. way. I'm yeah. like, I, I missed oh. the weekend ride, and I, and I haven't got that moment where I've kind of cleared my head of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Not, in a, not not consciously doing it, but just I just feel more relaxed when I get home. Yeah. I ride into work, and that kind of yeah. You can't focus on anything but avoiding the buses and the trucks and the you know the taxi drivers, now yeah. the drivers um, on that and, hour. And, and the other thing is like turning off all your screens your phone stop checking your all your social media for a period of time because it's just this constant distraction and it just interferes with your levels of stress for sure yeah I I listened to a podcast actually uh, a couple of weeks ago which was one of them ones when you know when you listen to a podcast and it just blows your mind it was a neuroscientist like this one well like like probably people are sitting at home going like wow these thought leaders uh, how many beers we had now uh, but no and it was talking about it was, a, it was an interview with a neuroscientist who's talking about the importance of sleep yes yeah. it was just like it was, you know he was basically saying sleep is responsible for so many of our issues that we have in modern society we're not getting enough of it yeah. as you say talking about turning off the phones and you know make sure you get those eight hours a day and the fact that you can't catch yeah. up with you any, you know and I was like right that day to bed nine o'clock try and get my eight hours yeah, I tend think not it really to get sleep when I've been out for a few beers with you you well, keep me out yeah, too late that's the problem <laughs> that, didn't, yeah. that didn't help that didn't help but talking of stressful situations yeah um, you recently launched your own network yes How, so that kind of kicked off at the beginning of the year late last year that you started that so I've been thinking about it for a long time um, and so, so back to the thing I said earlier about the common themes that stop people getting stuff done is around confidence and peer support so I've been thinking about setting up a network which is a mix of on and offline support and learning. One of the first things that we're talking about, I've got, got a webinar next week about um, how to be more productive and less stressed. Wow, there you go. There's um, also one about public speaking. I feel like we should we should definitely tune in for that one. <laughs> well, yeah. you might need yeah. to, but I think I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that two beers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Getting a bit brave. Sorry. sorry. Um, so well, it's called the Lucidity Network. It's called network. the Lucidity Network, and I decided that I was going to crowdfund to raise the startup costs for it. Well, because I didn't have enough money in the bank, mm-hmm. and I decided that I needed to test the concept. So if nobody backed it, or if the only people that backed it were my friends and family, then it was probably a bit of a dud idea. Um, so I launched a crowdfund for just over 10k for the startup costs. And you got 16, was it? About six. Uh, in total, including supporters that gave so online 12 but right. between us 16 right. no, one, no one else will know so I thought yeah I'm a fundraiser I can crowdfund how hard can this be and then that thing around failure and emotion kicked in so when I pressed go on the crowdfund I, bas- I went and cleaned my kitchen and I thought oh when I get back there'll be all this money in the bank came back like I don't know half an hour later <laughs> nothing had happened <laughs> and I was like oh no um Crowdfunding is really difficult. Fundraisers yeah. <laughs> listening, you'll know this. Much more difficult than I thought, much more emotional than I thought. And different because it's my idea. It's like crowdfunding for your baby rather than crowdfunding for a project, no matter how much you love and you know, are committed that the project is a good idea. 
Um, then after I'd launched it, I did a lot of reading about the stats and the stat from Kickstarter is 42% of your income comes in the last three days. Yeah, well, really? no one told me that at the beginning. So it was nerve-wracking. So you get all your close networks in, first of all. You know, it's like text, textbook. Um, probably raised about a third. Then nothing happened for two weeks. The days are counting down. And I did reach the target three days before the end. So it was, a, it was brilliant, brilliant experience. Glad I did it. Hardest money I've ever earned in my whole life. <laughs> yeah. But really delighted that now that means I launched the Lucidity Network to those crowdfunder members last Friday. Mm-hmm. I've got 120 people in it. James, you're one of them. I'm one of them. You are. Yeah, I'm on there. Don't let that put you off. <laughs> <laughs> There's some other good people on there as well. But I think we what? felt that as well. So when we did, we started this. We weren't mm. asking people for money, and but it is your it's your idea, and it's your. There's nowhere to yeah. fall back on. If it, if it bombs, then. There's no hiding place. You've just got to take it. We're a little bit nervous about yeah. that. We yeah. talked about being nervous about it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the what's the objective with the with the network? What's what, what's the what's the goal? What's the dream? What's the objective for for me? For you personally, yeah. What what, you, what did you hope to when you set it up and you decide to click that button? Where did you hope that it would be? What did you hope the value would provide? Good question. I hope that it will be a network that will almost be self-sustaining so the people that are in it can support and help each other. I'll be providing um, expertise, webinars every month on the topics that people in the network want. I hope it will give people the confidence and support to get some of the stuff done that they've been thinking about but haven't quite got the network and support to be able to do. And at the minute, the face-to-face events are all in London. Um but I'd like it to be global. Right now. Yeah, let's. I want to. I want to. I want to franchise those networking yeah. events because it's the fa- it's the mix of face to face and online that I think mm. that adds the value. Yeah. Mm. And so, if somebody can't get to it just because they're not based in London, mm. that's something I'd like to work out how to get over that. That's amazing. Yeah, and as we just I just mentioned, there's loads of resources already on there. There's five different. Yeah. Uh, downloads of different subjects so there's public speaking and there's as you just, just about, um, and there's the Facebook group that's already up and live and running yeah. there's a webinar on Thursday there's yeah. loads going on there's loads going on and this whole month is I'm kind of walking the walk in terms of product development this whole month is like a prototype testing out for all the people that had a bit of faith in me and backed the crowd fund so if you're listening and you're one of those people thank you and then in June we'll open the um shopping cart so that people who didn't back the crowdfund get an opportunity to join do, up and be a member. Are you doing any merch? Are you doing any, do you want some ideas Ooh, for t-shirts? Yeah, yeah, definitely want some ideas <laughs> for t-shirts. Yeah, we'll just hold it. Still be holders, <laughs> still be holders, yeah. yeah. If you can come up with something that works for both of us, we'll Definitely collaborate on the t-shirts. Yeah. Collaborate on the t-shirts, that sounds yeah. good. Yeah. That sounds amazing, actually, because I think, yeah, that, that, that trend, as you say, about online and, and face-to-face, we all want to feel like we can get some fire some questions off get some positive feedback get some yeah. critical feedback and not everybody has access to, to, to networks immediately so, exactly um, so it's a big and it's and it's not just designed to be charity network the value of it is that there's some corporates in there too right. it's different skills experience and backgrounds that can help solve each other's right. problems so I'm, I'm super excited about it you've it feels you've got to be happy with how it's gone so Can far, you're allowed to be pleased about it. Yeah. No, I am, but I'm also anxious because it's you know it's out there, it's ready to get criticised. It will need to get criticised in order to improve. So it's back to that thing around yeah. that feeling of failure is emotional. So it's great to have a thing that yeah. I've been thinking about it for such a long time. And how much of your time is it is it taking up to do that? Because obviously you're you're also doing all of your other work yeah. on top of that. So how do you balance the two? 
Yeah, if I'm really honest, I'm not balancing it very well at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be frank, Gary's 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 working away. He's at home. He's been on training this morning. Gary's writing the emails. Gary's doing. <laughs> He's doing his first video. Yeah. As we Tune in for that one. Oh, there we go. Oh. Sorry, yeah, did yeah, I just yeah, bark yeah, on our yeah. podcast? You did. Yeah. It's a new uh, line anyway. for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, at the minute, Gary's taking the brunt. Of- <laughs> Gary's in charge of complaints. People yeah. know who Gary is. And like. shredding. <laughs> so. Gary is Lucy's new. We need a we need a picture of he's, Gary to. Oh, post he's got uh, an Instagram account. You can look at him. Oh. Gary Gower WFT. Oh, we'll have to Gary we'll have to steal a picture off there later and stick it out on our Twitter account. Yeah, But in all seriousness, it's really hard balance. It's really hard to balance. I'm. I've got a great team of people working with me. I think yeah. that's one of the things. I'm so used to working mostly on my own. Now I've found some really good people for support. I'm trying to get ahead of myself in terms of Lucidity Network content and I've pulled back on running workshops um, and really sort of tried to prioritise that. So yeah. I've, I've done a bit of prioritising but it feels like there's a lot of work to do to get it up and running and then I'm hoping that it's going to be more more balanced after that. It so is Gary. Really difficult. So I do the EMF stuff outside of supposedly outside of work there's the odd thing that I can yeah. sneak through the printer at work when no one's looking but generally it takes over your evenings or your weekends yeah. and it's hard yeah, yeah. It can be hard. but then if you work I think anyone that works themselves you work evenings and weekends yeah. anyway you can choose to have time off in the day you know you can it's like, I think the biggest thing is it's my choice that I'm taking this on yeah. because I'm convinced that it's a good idea that can help a lot of people and in order if, if I can make that happen I don't mind putting in those extra hours for a few months in order to get it up and well running. that's payment in itself in a way isn't it yeah that you're getting value yeah. Yeah, nice. well good well Lucy now we're going to put you on the spot oh, so okay. we got some quick, we got some quick fire questions uh, to, before we sum up uh, yeah are you ready mm-hmm. just taking a, a swig just Should doing I a put few some vodka in that now? Yeah, you probably yeah, might that... need some. No, they're not. They're not. They're not that. Don't get the phone, phone of Gary. Either. So the first one is: if you could place an ad on Facebook across the world for one day, what would it say? And it can be anything from a charity message and something that will change the world. Vote Gary. Or it can be Gary's latest I'd... video. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'd be. I'd put something like: get off Facebook and go and do the thing that you're supposed to be doing Ooh. in real life. That's, That's a, a good, good one. one. That's a good one. We had a good one last week, and I think that might have just told you. Nadine is at home now, just just punching a wall. Oh, I'm not going to think of that. That's a really good one. Okay. Right, next. Um, And your next one, what advice would you give to someone looking to progress their career in the not-for-profit or charity sector? I'd say do the jobs that you enjoy. Get yourself a coach or a mentor. Go and find that person that's where you think you want to be in five years' time, which I know is a really rubbish interview question. But find that person and get help and support to do it. And don't worry about changing roles loads and how choppy your CV looks. Keep going until you find a role where you enjoy it and you're working within a team that gives you opportunity to grow. I like that. That's good. That's good. Okay, and the last one. So... uh... What one supporter story sticks in your mind and why? Like anything from fundraising or anything. There must be one that you've seen and you've been like, it just sticks in your mind. Oh my goodness. I've got so many. Have you? A supporter story in terms of a good one or in well, terms no, of a bad one? The last one, bad was, one? the last one was pretty. The last one went down the route of uh, naked calendars, didn't it? I think it did. Yeah. I believe uh, it Which are available soon in the merch store. <laughs> Oh, don't mention the naked calendar. Uh, anyway, yeah. A supporter story. 
Wow, this is a really difficult one. Okay, I might go a bit off piece with this. That's right. I'll tell you a sports story. That, so my mum had a friend called Pat who died about seven or eight years ago. Pat didn't have any kids, but she had dogs. It's a theme here. But she had dogs. And she, her husband had died before her. So my mum and another lady, was when Pat died, was the executor on her will. And their task was to give to animal charities the whole estate, everything, um, with a preference for dogs, but not guide dogs because they've got too much money already. (laughs) And my mum and this other lady's job was to go and phone up a whole bunch of charities and say, we've got, you know, 50k or more to, to give to you. And... I really wish that I'd written this up at the time because so my mum's a supporter in this context. The difference in responses that she got from one charity to another was unbelievable. So, you know, you've got elderly lady phones up going, yeah. oh, hello, I've got 50 grand. Yeah. What do you do with that call? Do you, t- do you think it's a joke call or do you take it seriously? Some charities, the chief exec phoned back within like an hour or two. Wow. They got a lot of money. Some charities never replied. Wow. I'd say that the Greyhound Rescue, well done. Yes. My mum still supports some of those charities that gave her a really good experience, even though she was never a supporter. Her job was just to distribute her friends' money to good causes so it's quite a bit of responsibility as well as your legacy is, is you're yeah. over to the next generation that's tough massive and actually it was good that I worked in the charity sector because my mum would phone up and go well they haven't phoned back and this place wants to do something different with the money I don't know what Pat would think about it mm. um, but I just I think I'm telling that story because every single person that calls you up will have an opinion and a relationship with your charity and they've got to have the in a really competitive environment you have to give them the best possible experience that you can with the resources that you've got you just never know who it is that's on the other end of the phone that's an, that's an and nice that one. is how you answer the three questions that we give people <laughs> Keith Williams if you're listening that's how you do it that's amazing that Great was really good that really was good. really good yeah. so should we try and sum it up we like to try and sum it up with some takeaways based on the conversation I, I, I had a pen when I joined uh, this interview <laughs> but I, I lost my pen at the start so I haven't been able to write anything down it's coming back to me yeah. it's an Alzheimer's Research I mean, it's UK really pen good notes yeah. um, <laughs> but I think I got the, so the first takeaway from me which actually I'm just going to take from what you said earlier about kind of people in their careers and, and innovation actually I think it's really important like you said to like not just kind of settle in something like move around do, don't be afraid to move around and, and try different things and, and I think that's an important lesson because we're, I think there's still that almost culture of like you have to stay somewhere for oh, yeah. a certain 18 amount 18 months 18 months and things yeah. like that but if it's not right for you yeah. try something else and, and you know don't be afraid to do so yeah and who made that rule up anyway it's, it's like, an old it's school urban rule, myth yeah. exactly yeah. so that's my first one because yeah. I can just remember it and I didn't have a thought um, um, talking about roles I think there is quite key to have innovation in every role so look at yeah. what you're doing and don't necessarily settle for how things are change it up a little bit look at yeah. better processes yeah yeah that's a good one um, Lucy did you have any you wanted to want to add as a takeaway uh, my takeaway is maybe a bit cliched but I think it's about 
seeking forgiveness over permission. If you're a fundraiser, you do really important work. Yes. If you've got a better way that. of doing That's it. That's my mantra. Do you know what? Yeah. I used to work for a design agency. That was on the back of my business card. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Saying, it? yeah, it's easier yeah. to get forgiveness than permission. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. If you've got a hunch that something could work, test it out in the smallest, most risk-free way that you possibly can yeah. and then take that to your manager with a bit of evidence to help them make a good decision about giving you the opportunity to build that idea. Just, you know, top tip for anyone out there, it's not a good idea to have that on the back of your business card. <laughs> Yeah, new business. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it didn't, really, didn't really work out. Really not well. Um, but on that note, kind of be bold. You talked about one of your first points was be bold with an idea. If you've got one, then go for it, and yeah, don't be yeah. afraid of it. Yeah. Up in your face. Just What's the worst that can happen? Didn't work. You know it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Go down the pub anyway. with your mates. Yeah. You get, get sacked, over it. It's yeah. all part of your. You, see, you don't want to be there for eighteen months anyway. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, look, I think we can probably uh, we can probably wrap it up there. Lucy, yeah. thank you so much for coming oh, on. We really pleasure. appreciate it. Um, if people wanted to contact you or find you, where would they go? You can contact me at lucy at lucidity.org.uk or onto my website, lucidity.org.uk. Lucidity.org.uk. And you can join the network as of, what do you say, next month? Next month. Next month. If you go onto the website, sign up to my email newsletter, that's when you'll get alerts. Oh, and if you want to check out Gary, he's on Instagram. We're going to check Gary out Gary. Gary we'll, post a, we'll post a picture on, of Gary on... Uh, Gary's uh, going to be bigger than Do More Good. Uh, he is going to be bigger yeah. than Do More yeah. Good. It always how, works. How do people get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, KenF81. Good. <laughs> and James, where, what about uh, you? Me? I'm I know on yours on now, James W. Event. There right? we go. Yes, Very finally. Good. Episode yeah. 11. Yeah, and we're Apple. obviously on the... Uh, we have a Twitter account and we do have more a good. Do-more-good.uk. Yes, we do. So, uh, what are you up to this weekend? Bank holiday weekend? Do you know what, this weekend I'm at home, which I haven't been for about a month. So yeah. I'm taking my daughter, uh, my youngest, to teach her how to ride a bike in the park. Brilliant. So that it sounds, sounds like it, it, it's actually true. That sounds story. good. Yeah. That sounds nice. Yeah. Make sure, make sure she away. innovates. You're going away tonight. We're I'm going away tonight, yeah. I'm going to shoot off and get a train and then we're going camping with a load of friends and oh. kids and uh, all of that stuff and hopefully a couple of drinks. Nice. But yeah. All right, let's leave it there. Thank you cool. very much, guys. Lucy, thank you so much. My and pleasure. Thanks for having me. We'll speak to you all soon. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.